So God, I pray that you take these next few moments, you take my words and you make them yours, God. May we hear from you. That's why we gather, God, is because we long to hear from our Father in heaven that loves us. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Well, good morning to all of you here, and good morning if you're watching online. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning and to see how the church has transformed into a Christmas wonderland. I love seeing all the Christmas decor everywhere. Um, We are in week two of our series on Advent, and we are walking through the book of Jonah. Jonah at Christmas time, yes. Jonah at Christmas time. Jonah and Jesus, they're two people that actually have some similarities. As Scott Dudley pointed out last week, Jonah was sent to a place he didn't want to go. He rebelled, but he ended up transforming the city anyway. Jesus was sent to a difficult place and he rebelled, or he did not rebel actually. (laughs) Don't quote me on that. (laughs) That's not what Scott said last week. Jesus did not rebel, but he ended up transforming the world. And similarly, God sends us. He sends us to bring his transformation to the world around us. And last week, we also kicked off this all-church art project. And if you want to participate, you can do so by visiting the lobby. All it takes is you just have to fill out one of these discs and answer the question, where are you called to bring healing? You don't have to be artistic. It's really fun. And next week, we'll have the big reveal, and you'll see what we're doing with these discs. So last week, we walked through chapter one of Jonah, and this week, we turn to chapter two. And as we walk through the text, we're going to make some observations, and we're going to answer the question, what happens when we run away? Because that's what Jonah does. Jonah runs away. God calls him to the city of Nineveh, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Instead of doing what God said, Jonah ran away. And he didn't just run away to the next town over. He ran away to the next continent over. He made sure that he was running and running far. And in the midst of getting the heck out of Dodge, Jonah and his shipmates find themselves in a storm. Because when we decide to run away from God, there is bound to be a storm. And Jonah knows that it's his disobedience, his running away from God, that's, that's caused this storm to happen. So he decides to take himself out of the equation. In this case, take himself out of the boat. So he says to his shipmates, hey guys, throw me overboard. And then the storm will stop. So they do that. His other option, Jonah's other option, would have been to obey God and go to Nineveh, but Jonah would rather die than do that, and we'll find out why a little bit later. So once he's tossed at sea, the storm does indeed go away. But picture the scene with me. I don't think that the storm just instantly went away, because if it did, Jonah would have just been floating there right by the boat, and that would have been awkward, right? (laughs) Hey guys, pull me back. (laughs) The storm's gone. Please pull me back. But no, it probably didn't happen like that. The storm probably solely went away. And as it did, Jonah drifted farther and farther away from the boat and farther and farther into the depths of the sea. Jonah was drowning. He knew that was going to be the outcome of being thrown overboard. But God had a different plan. What Jonah meant for his destruction, God intervened with a rescue operation. And then the last verse of chapter one, it says, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And there we have one of those verses that has scared children for centuries. I mean, did anybody else fear going in the water when you were a kid? I did. Even the pool. No, there's a fish in there. It's going to eat me. 
So here we are in chapter two, and our guy Jonah is dwelling in the belly of a whale. And it's this detail, being swallowed and surviving in the whale or in the fish, that's what Jonah is remembered for. But it's a small detail in the book of Jonah. There's only three verses that talk about the fish, but 45 verses that tell the rest of the story. And it's the rest of the story that we want to spend our time understanding and unpacking. Because it's the story of Jonah that God extends his grace. It's how we respond to God's call in our life. That's what the book of Jonah is all about. And Jonah's first response to God's call is to run away. And what happens when we run away? When we run away, we end up where we don't want to be. Like in the middle of a storm or in the belly of a fish. Running away from God, it works the opposite way we want it to. Instead of finding escape and freedom, we actually find ourselves in more trouble than we began with. And here's the thing about running away from God. God lets us run. God lets us go. Jonah said, I got to get out of here. God's calling me to Nineveh. So I'm first, I'm going to head south to Joppa. Then I'm going to get on a a boat and I'm going to head over to Tarshish. It was planned. It was methodical. And when we decide to run from God, the devil is happy to provide the transportation for us. Oh, look, a boat that just happens to be going in the opposite direction that God's called me to. I think I'll get on that boat. Coincidence or maybe a perfect plan by one that wanted to keep us from God's call. The week before the election, I got into a pretty heated discussion with a family member. Surprise, surprise, we were voting for different people. I'm sure none of you here can relate. But the conversation, it kind of caught me off guard, and we didn't really resolve our our differences, and so it, it ended up being pretty tense between us for a few days. And a few days after the conversation, I was praying, and I felt like God said, Annie, you need to apologize to this person. You need to own your part in the tension. Now, I was a little bit upset with God about this because I was waiting for the other person to apologize to me. Uh, But as I leaned in in prayer, I really felt like it was God's voice and I should apologize. So I spent some time in prayer and I wrote down different ways that I could have responded. And then I called the person up and I apologized and they did too. And we were able to have a really good conversation about our differences that was tension free. When God speaks, we might not always like what God has to say. But when God asks us to do something like apologize and we refuse, we are just like Jonah. God's always speaking to us, inviting us to do certain things that bring his healing and reconciliation in the world. But when we dictate what we choose to do and what we don't want to do, we reveal our inner Jonah. We hop aboard the transportation that the devil provides and go in the opposite direction. And yeah, the story that I just told you, I eventually apologized. But the key word there is eventually. I didn't want to. For those first few days, I was just like Jonah, refusing to apologize. When we run away, we end up where we don't want to be. And God lets us go there. He lets us do our own thing. And just like God lets Jonah run away, God lets us run away. But that does not mean he won't come after us. When we run away, we realize we cannot hide from God. From the boat to the water to the fish, Jonah realizes that God's been there all along. And he prays this prayer inside the fish. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. You hurled me into the depths. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. It's a beautiful, heartfelt, genuine prayer. 
And if you're running from God, you're probably not listening to him. But in this prayer, it reveals a shift that happens within Jonah. He's not just praying, but he's also listening. He's picking up on what God's doing around him. And it's in Jonah's listening that his prayer reflects this recognition of God's saving grace. He's in the fish for three days and three nights. And I got to wonder, when was it that he prayed this prayer? Was it right away that Jonah realized that God had saved him? Or maybe as he's sinking into the ocean waters to the depths of the ocean floor and he gets swallowed by a fish, maybe his response isn't initially a prayer, but maybe it's something more like this. What the heck? Oh my gosh, where am I? What is this slimy thing? Are those gills? Are we moving? Where am I? You know, typical response to being swallowed by a fish. But then maybe after the initial shock wore off, maybe it was then that it dawned on Jonah. God, God, is that you? God, I was running from you, but God, did you know I was running from you? Did you know where I was the whole time? God, did you rescue me? And as realization flooded over Jonah, maybe it was this prayer of thanksgiving that was on his lips. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. We cannot hide from God and God is never hidden from us. A moment ago, we sang a song that has a bridge that I love and it's a picture of God's relentlessly pursuing, never hidden love and it goes like this. There's no place I can go, your love won't find me. No place I can hide that you don't see. No place I can fall, your love couldn't catch me. You see it all, you see it all through the eyes of love. Have you ever had a moment like Jonah? A moment where you're in a crisis, but you, in the midst of that crisis, you experience God's overwhelming love and presence. When my brother was a freshman in college, he had a pretty hard time and a pretty hard fall that first first year in college. And it's your typical freshman year stuff, you know, the change, the unknown, uh, the pressure to get good grades. And on top of that, he was playing soccer, so he had this pressure to perform and succeed. And at around 2 a.m. one night, he couldn't sleep, and he was kept up by just being worried. And so we went to his, his dorm room lounge, and he sat there alone, and he just had all of these worries about him. He worried that if he dropped out of college, who might he disappoint? If he transferred, who might he disappoint? Would he disappoint his, his high school soccer coach? Would he disappoint his parents? Would he disappoint himself? Would he disappoint God? And so as he sat there, he was at a loss of what to do. But then he said these words out loud. He said, I love you. And even though the words came out of his own lips, he felt like they were being said to him. And he told me this later. He said, Annie, I said the words out loud, but they weren't my voice. It was being said to me. Here I was, not knowing what to do, so worried I was disappointing my friends and family and God. And all God wanted to say to me was that I love you. There's no place we can go. God's love can't find us. Even in the moments where we might ask God, hear God, even here, God's response is, yes, even there, you will find me. Even though we run, God's love is never hidden. Another part of Jonah's prayer is a confession. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And that's another thing that running does. When we run away, it reveals our idols. If we're caught up in running to something other than God, that's taking a thing and turning it into an ultimate thing. 
And that thing might even be a good thing, but when we make it our end-all be-all, it creates an idol in our lives. And here's the tricky thing about idols. Idols are really cool things. Why would we make them an idol if they were really not cool? But they're usually pretty cool, like having a good marriage or getting good grades in school or being fit or making money. All of those things can be good, but when we make them our ultimate thing, they turn into an idol in our life because we set our hearts on something that's other than God. Tim Keller says that idolatry is not just a failure to obey God. It is a setting of the whole heart on something besides God. So what was Jonah's idol? Well, here's a bit of background information on Jonah that helps us answer that question. Because we know that Jonah was angry enough to die because he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. But why? Why was he so angry? Well, Jonah is one of the minor prophets, of which there are 12. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. The whole gang. But the, the, thank you. (laughs) The interesting thing about the book of Jonah, though, is that whereas all the other minor prophets are recorded prophecies of what those prophets were prophesying, Jonah is about Jonah. Jonah isn't about what Jonah prophesied. It's about what God taught Jonah. And up until this point, up until the point that God calls Jonah to Nineveh, Jonah has had a pretty easy life as a prophet. Jonah got to prophesy about the expanding territories and and conquest that will be won, which happened rather quickly. So it gave Jonah this really cool reputation as a prophet because what he prophesied, he'd actually see in his lifetime. Which, let's be honest, if you were Jonah, wouldn't that be pretty cool? You could be like hanging out with your friends and say, hey, you know that conquest that we just won? I totally called that two weeks ago. Would have been fun. So Jonah, Jonah really enjoyed being that kind of prophet. So when God changes it up on him, when God says, now you're going to go to Nineveh and preach doom and gloom to the Ninevites, Jonah's like, hold up. No, this isn't, this isn't my role as a, as a prophet. How could God throw this change up on him? So it's no wonder Jonah's perspective is a little dramatic and he says, I would rather die than do that, so just throw me overboard. Because he's had it pretty easy. But here in the fish, Jonah realizes that we can't pick and choose what we hear from God. Because when we do that, it's making ourselves God. It's controlling what we want to do instead of listening to what God wants to do. And Jonah says that those worthless idols that people cling to are actually a way that we dismiss God's love. To Jonah, it's the same thing as saying, God, you know your love that you're trying to show me? Well, you can just keep it because I have these things here, so I'm okay. Jonah's idol was his nice little role as a non-offending prophet. And when that was taken from him, he ran. But even though he ran away, God didn't give that task to another person. When we run away from God, we don't lose our chance to still obey. Because when we run away, it doesn't negate the call on our lives. God is a God of second chances. He gives Jonah a second chance. He gives the Ninevites a second chance. And he gives us a second chance. In the fish, Jonah says that he will sacrifice his reputation and sacrifice it to God. And he vows that he will do what God has called him to do. So Jonah takes God up on his second chance offer, which results in vomit. You'll see what I mean in a second. 
Inside the fish, Jonah prays, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. As soon as Jonah had a change of heart, God put him back in the game. God said to Jonah, Jonah, you're still my guy. There's a bit of vomit on you, but you go on over to Nineveh. We're going to do this thing together. God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and so on. Because come on, haven't you ever had God nudge you to do something, but you ignore it only for it just to come back and nudge you again, and then you ignore it a second time, and then you wake up in the middle of the night and there it is again? God is relentless. God doesn't give us one chance. He gives us multiple chances to do what he's called us to do because he's a loving father. A woman from our congregation wrote me and shared this story of a second chance. And she writes this. When I was finishing high school, I fell in love. I was not particularly asking God what direction he wanted me to go. My boyfriend was going to the UW and I had planned on going to Wazoo, but I changed my mind and went to the UW instead. I stopped going to church. I never accepted invitations to go to church. In December of that year, we were married at Bell Press, but I continued to follow the idol of love. Eleven months later, God blessed us with our first son, and then three and a half years after that, a second son. What joy and love our two sons brought. I was still not following God. I was still not listening to God. However, God pursued me and didn't give up on me. When my youngest was about two, I saw an advertisement for a Christmas event titled, Back to the Times of Christ, Christmas Story Scenes at Rose Hill Presbyterian Church. I took my two sons and we enjoyed the sequence of the Christmas story portrayed in the booth by children, adults, and animals. The best part for me was that God welcomed me back into his family by the overflowing love expressed by the pastor and his wife. So began my return from the wrong direction. Shortly afterwards, I was plugged into a prayer ministry, which is one of God's callings in my life. God is so faithful. I feel so blessed that he didn't give up on me and gave me the opportunities to return to him. What I love about this story is that it happened over a long period of time. Sometimes we need more than 24 hours to respond to God's call in our lives. Sometimes we need years. And though, but God never gives up on us, though we often give up on him, which brings us to our last observation. Even though we run away, God isn't concerned with perfection. He is after our hearts. And that's the bottom line about the book of Jonah. It's not about the fish. It's about how we respond to what God's calling us to do. Do we go willingly or do we run away? And what's our attitude like? And Jonah is a perfect example because I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Sometimes we, we disregard what God's called us to do. And Jonah does that. He tries to avoid, avoid God's call. And spoiler alert, when he finally does obey, he's not happy with the way that God handles things. He's okay with God showing grace to him, but when God goes ahead and shows that same grace to the Ninevites, Jonah has had enough. No way, Jonah says, no way can you do that. It's too much, God. And it is too much. God's love is offensive. It's overwhelming. It comes to us all. Those that think we've got it all together and those that think maybe we've messed up a little bit too much, God's love covers us all. God doesn't demand perfection from us. He just wants us to be up for whatever he's got for us because the Holy Spirit's always speaking, always guiding us, always nudging us. But what if I get it wrong? Everybody gets it wrong. Everybody gets it wrong. And here's an example from the weekend. 
This weekend, I watched the Apple Cup with my family. Go dogs. Yeah. And my, I was watching it with my nephews, and two of them are seven years old and five years old. And I, in between plays, we were doing passing routes down the hallway. And my nephews were really excited to learn these passing routes. They wanted to do the double pass, just like Browning and Pettis do so beautifully. And so I was teaching them that. And was I expecting them to do it perfectly every single time? No. I wasn't, because they're just seven and five. They're not Browning and Pettis. But it was so fun to watch them want to learn and to say, Auntie, let's run it again. Let's try it again. We missed that pass, but let's do it again. It wasn't about their perfection. It was about their willingness to learn. And isn't that a picture of the Father? The Father is not concerned with your perfection. He's concerned with your heart. He's concerned with your willingness to try and try again. The Father it just wants us to say, yes, God, show me, teach me. I'm up for it. That's the Father. So remember those discs that some of you filled out last week. You wrote down your answer to the question, where are you called to bring healing? God is not concerned with how perfectly you fulfill what you wrote down. He is just pleased that you're up for something. And in case you missed out on it, in a moment you can go and pick one of these up in the lobby and fill one out. And next week, you'll find out what we're doing with them. And if you're watching online, you can fill them out by emailing your response to art at bellpress.org, and we'll fill it out for you. And you can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtag called and sent and bellpress. And our kids are participating in this too. And here's some of the things that you guys all wrote down last week. God wants me to obey him by listening to my parents and not arguing and talking nice. I'm called to bring healing by helping others that are poor. To be nicer to my brother. I'm called to bring healing to other alcoholics and addicts. To listen kindly to an unhappy neighbor. Maybe as some of you hear these, you're inspired by what you might write down on a disc. And maybe you've already filled one out, but you're thinking of other things. You can totally fill out more than one disc. And maybe some of you are thinking, gosh, the thing that I filled out last week, that's a little bit too hard. I should have like lowballed it, you know? I should have gone a little bit easier. Well, remember what I said e earlier. The devil is always happy to provide transportation to run away from what God's called us to do. So don't run away from what you, what you feel God's calling you to do because God has transportation of his own and it's called the Holy Spirit. If you feel ill-equipped to do what you wrote down, the Holy Spirit will help you equip you, empower you, and fill in the gaps where maybe you're lacking. Wherever you are called to go, to your friends, to your family, to your community, know that God is not calling you to go perfectly. He's just asking that you go with an open and willing heart. So Bell Press, where is God calling you to bring healing? And even if you're like Jonah, even if you've ran away, that call is still there waiting. So will you take God up on it? So God, we thank you that you are a God of second and third and fourth chances. We thank you that you are faithful to us. So God, help us to be faithful to you. God, fill us with your spirit as we go from here. Help us to see how you see, how we can bring healing to those around us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.